We believe that you are strong by design and you were made in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. You're listening to the number one strength and health authority podcast in the world. So let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life in today's episode. Hello there. Welcome to the Strong by Design podcast with your host today, Coach Chris Wilson from Critical Bench. And and I am a super fan of this man who I'm about to speak to. And I was laughing just a minute ago uh, because I've become a huge, he's become a big influence uh, in my life in recent months because I've not only been consuming his content from his podcast, Cross-Examined, but uh, I, I just read his book, Stealing from God, and finished it a few weeks back. And so I'm laughing because, you know, it's like I've been uh, enjoying enjoying what this man has to say for uh, several weeks now and from the beginning of my day to the end of my day. So Dr. Frank Turek is on the Strong by Design show today. So welcome, Dr. Frank. Great to have you. Hey, Chris, great being with you. And you don't have to call me doctor. I'm not the kind of doctor that can help you. <laughs> well, no, you can, help, you can help me. Spiritually, you can help. Yeah, but, you know, you're going to say, hey, does this look infected to you? And I'll say, yeah, you probably ought to have that cut off immediately. <laughs> okay, I, I, will, I will just go with Frank uh, yeah. for, for, uh, for the foreseeable future here. So just so the listeners know a little bit more about you, uh, Dr. Frank, or Frank, is uh, part of the cross, he's actually president of the crossexamined.org. It's a non-for-profit ministry that was started in 2006 and it conducts uh, dynamic I don't have enough faith to be an atheist seminars on college campuses churches and high schools all over the country all over the world in fact and his message he's he's a, a, a Christian apologist which is somebody that defends the gospel and somebody that can talk with others, non-believers or atheists, people who need to hear the message and need to know about Christianity. And so I thought it was very, very important to have him on our show to go over the, the four, what he calls the four-point case for mere Christianity, and, and which I really feel is like the, the root of, of, of the message uh, that he's sharing around the world. So, uh, why don't we first just start, if you wouldn't mind, with a brief bio of, of kind of what's, what kind of started this movement of the cross-examined for you, Frank? Yeah, for me, Chris, you know, I uh, was brought up, I went to Catholic high school because it's the law. I'm from New Jersey. You know, you got to, you're a Catholic if you're from New Jersey generally. But anyway, um, but I... Early on as a kid, I always believed in God. I just never really understood who Jesus was. And then when I was in the Navy, I met the son of a Methodist minister, and he actually took me to a Baptist service, and I was learning things in there I never knew. And I had a lot of questions, however, a lot of questions about evidence. Like, why do you even think this is true? And he got me books by Josh McDowell. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he wrote a book called Evidence Demands a Verdict and More Than a Carpenter. And these were big books back in the 70s and 80s. And so I read those books and I said, wow, this stuff's really true. And then after the Navy, I got out of the Navy and we ultimately moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I live now to attend a seminary by 
the president of the seminary was uh, Dr. Norman Geisler, who is one of the top apologists in the world. And that's somebody, as you say, isn't apologizing. It's someone that's given evidence for what you believe. And I noticed that about 75% of young people were walking away from the church once they left the home. And I said, well, we got to do something about that. So we started this ministry, crossexamine.org, to show people on college campuses and high school campuses and even in churches why Christianity is true. And you mentioned the four-point case. Well, we wrote a book called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And there are four essential points that I pull from that book to show people why Christianity is true. And so when I go to a college campus, a high school campus, or a church, I usually present those four points. Yes. And it's a weird time that we live in. I'll just say that because (laughs) people today who are practicing Christians, right, or, you know, or, or, or believers, they don't necessarily have the same belief system that maybe a Christian had 20, 30, 40 years ago. Things mm-hmm. have evolved and have, have shifted, mm-hmm. have changed. And, and I've even heard this, you know, that liberal Christianity or progressive Christianity has come up, obviously, in some of your podcasts and stuff. And it's, it's kind of a, uh, I feel like there's a lot of confused people out there. Even believers are confused about the Bible or about the message of the Bible. And, and what's your feeling on the messages maybe coming from the church today? Is it, I mean, because I feel like that's it's, that's the the job, right, of the church is to make disciples of people in their congregation. So, right. I guess wh- it, where's this where's this confusion coming from? Well, a lot of times it's the confusion comes from the culture that uh, presses on the church, and if the church isn't grounded in why they think Christianity is true, they can easily be led astray by trying to please the culture. And you're never going to please the culture. We're supposed to influence the culture, not have the culture influence us. And so I think there's a lot of times that people who aren't, uh, who might not know why Christianity is true or, or might not have really thought it through can easily say, well, I don't really like that part of the Bible. So now let me say, uh, affirm certain sexual relationships that the Bible and Jesus clearly taught against or uh, obviously, a, a, the big issue in our culture is sex. Just about everything we argue over politically is related to sex, whether it's abortion, same-sex marriage, whether it's what bathrooms we should use. You know, I mean, um, so the new religion in America is the religion of sex, and that impinges on the church quite a bit. And some churches stand uh, for what uh, God has told us to stand for. And by the way, the moral constraints in there are for our benefit, not for God. God doesn't get anything out, out of us. Uh, living a moral life, it we're the ones that get the benefit from it or the detriment from it if we sway. Uh, then there are churches out there who just are silent on it, and then there are churches that go the other way and say, "Well, we're going to disagree with Jesus and the apostles on this, and we're going to we're going to affirm certain sexual relationships that this the Bible doesn't." So a lot of times it really results or it really boils down to this issue of sex. Wow, that is, that is something, isn't it? And you've mentioned it before, obviously, in your show. And, you know, there's there's really only three reasons for sin, right? It's for sex, for money, or for power. Yeah, those are the big three that come up over and over again. And that's why, by the way, the book of Proverbs talks a lot about those three things. We can get pulled astray by relationships, i.e. sex, money, the pursuit of wealth, or uh, power, pride, uh, recognition, those kind of things. Um, so sex, money, and power are the big three that can pull us away. And that's why 
the Bible in particular warns us to be wary of those. Not that those things are bad things. They're all good things. Sex, yeah. money, and power are good things, but they're only good things in their right place, just like anything else. Well, yeah, because I think for so many people, they've become idols, right? right. And they, and they, yeah. be, they become more, more important. You know, your, your, your following on Instagram you mm-hmm. know, becomes more important to you than, you know, <laughs> the Bible on, by, by your bed or, or going to church on Sundays or, or you know, being part of a, uh, a, a group or a missions trip or something like that, you know, and you start idolizing and, and, and worshiping these other things in your life that aren't, you know, that re- really are <laughs> not, not very impactful, not very important in the big picture. Yeah. In fact, one thing that I like to try and get across to people, in fact, I, I did this recently. I was in Ohio uh, at a uh, college, speaking at a college, and the uh, organizer there said, hey, I also do some ministry at an area prison. Would you come speak there the next day? I said, yeah, sure. So we went to this prison and I was supposed supposed to speak to two groups of inmates. And when I got there, the chaplain said, well, we want you to speak to those two groups, but would you speak to a third group? The people down in solitary confinement want to hear you. I said, well, yeah, sure. Why not bring them up? So in a prison, they call solitary confinement the whole. And these people are there. They're usually hardened criminals. They usually have trouble with other prisoners. So they put them in solitary confinement. So they brought these about 30 guys up from the hole. And Chris, these guys look like, first of all, they had tattoos on their faces. They look like they're MS-13 people, basically. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just frightening. I'm yeah. sure. And, Anyway, they all sit around. They're all in these neon orange jumpsuits, which I'm, I'm convinced you could see from space. You know, if they, if they escaped, they would, they would be able to satellite these guys because these things were neon orange. Anyway, I go through the evidence for Christianity with these four points, which we'll get to later here in the interview. And at the very end of the presentation, I said, look, I don't care what you've done. I don't care uh, what why you're in here, you can have the same identity that people on the outside have. Because in Christianity, your identity is not on how how many Facebook or Instagram followers you have or how many people Snapchat you. Your identity is not your sexual orientation or your sexual preference or your political party or your race or your ethnic group or your bank account or your vocation or your school or your family or any of these things. Your identity you do not achieve. You don't achieve your identity, you receive your identity. John, who wrote a lot of the New Testament and was an eyewitness of Jesus, said that God has given us the right to become children of God by receiving what Christ has done. So your achievements don't make you a better Christian or put you in a better light with God. God is an infinite being. He loves you infinitely already. There's nothing you can do that'll make him love you more or anything you can do that'll make you love you less. You don't achieve your identity. You receive your identity. And that's freeing for people who are anxious or feel anxiety or depression because I'm not, they're not quite as good as other people. They don't quite look as good as other people. They don't have many, as many friends as other people. They're not having as good a time. They don't have as much money as other people. In Christianity, none of that ultimately is the issue. What the issue is, is have you received the gift 
that Christ has provided for you. You can't achieve it. You can only receive it. And did you feel like they were um, receiving of your message? Yeah, they were. In fact, you know, a couple of guys, I don't know how this happens, but they get drugs in prison, no matter, you know, they still get drugs somehow. It's so mind boggling that this can still yeah. happen, isn't it? I know. Yeah. A couple of guys were strung out on drugs, but there was a guy in the back who was tracking along quite a bit. And toward the end, he goes, Hey, man, this makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> the other guys are going, Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it makes sense that Christianity is true. When you look at the evidence, it is. And then after you look at the evidence, all you need to do is make a decision. Are you going to receive it? Are you going to continue to try and achieve your identity? Yeah. And ultimately, if you don't receive the free gift, then you're going to be separated from God because he won't force you into heaven against your will. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you find our show helpful in any way, please let us know by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. Your review will help us reach more listeners and continue to change lives. Let's get back to the show. I have an almost four-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old son. And, you know, the, thinking about God or thinking about eternity in heaven is a pretty big, pretty big deal for us mm -hmm. as adults. Mm -hmm. But can you imagine as, as a child what that mm -hmm. must be like? And I was talking with him. I, I love the conversations you have with your kids right about before they fall asleep because they yep. really seem to open up to you. And I was talking to him about that we love space in the universe. It, it, our, you know, it's, we always talk about that and read books about it, how big it is. And I said, mm -hmm. well, how, how, how big and amazing do you think God is? Because he created that. So he's outside of the universe he's bigger mm -hmm. than the universe and we don't even know where the edge edge of the universe is mm -hmm. and he was just looking at me and then i'm like and that's what love is and, mm -hmm. and i said like the love you feel for for grandma that's in heaven or the love you feel for mommy and daddy that's that's as big as the universe that's big like god is big you know mm -hmm. and, and he was just like but i the reason I, I mention that is because I think it's very important for anyone listening who has children, who's a believer, you have to talk with them from a young age and share with them the, the power of God and mm -hmm. the magnitude of the universe that we're in. And, and I think too many people, they, they kind of almost like leave it to the church or leave it to the youth group or leave it to the other leaders mm -hmm. to do that. But it, our role as parents, it starts with us. And that's why you're doing what you're doing because when yeah. these kids go off to school and they don't have their parents around them anymore, they're like defenseless. I know, I know a lot of parents with teenagers are probably thinking, oh, my kid, I don't have much influence over him or her anymore. That's not true. You're still the most influential person in that child's life. And so you need to not only model Christianity, but you also need to be able to talk to them about any issue. And you need to show them why it's true, because I can tell you, when they get to college, they're not going to hear many people telling them why it's true. They're going to be hearing people telling them every reason why it isn't true and why they ought to just do whatever they want. And uh, that's why three out of four young people will walk away from the church once they go off to college or once they leave the home. Yeah. And that's, that's obviously a very troubling uh, mm -hmm. thought. And um, it's... It's it's disturbing. It's disturbing <laughs> to think that three out of four kids, when they are have the freedom that college or university provides at that eighteen year age range, mm -hmm. that they 
they're not grounded anymore. Or even if they were, they, they within a month, they can, they can be influenced in, in the 180 degree opposite oh, yeah. direction. Oh yeah. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. If, they, if they're unarmed, they can get picked off quite easy. The easiest way to get picked off in a war, A, is to not know you're in one and B, to be unarmed. <laughs> and we send our kids off not knowing they're in the war and they're unarmed for it. Will you actually start to touch on the four points that you make for Christianity? I'd love to, to, to get into these and unpack these a little bit and talk about does truth exist, which is something obviously someone that's an, an atheist will proclaim that there is no truth. Mm-hmm. And then I, and I love your, 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 your immediate response to that is then, then what, then how can you, how can you say that? Because if there is no truth, it's a self-defeating uh, a claim. Right. That means that what you're saying, if that was true, mm-hmm. <laughs> then, yeah, it's true. then there is truth, you know? So, is it true that there's no truth? I mean, yeah, yeah it's a self-defeating claim. And uh, so when people say there's no truth, I just turn the claim on itself and say, is that true? It's the same for so many other things you hear in our culture today. You know, they say you can't know truth. Well, how do you know that's true? Or they say all truth is relative and you say, well, is that a relative truth? No, that's an absolute truth. Or they say there are no absolutes. And you say, well, you're absolutely sure. You know, that's an absolute truth right there. Or they might say all truth comes from science. And if you turn the claim on itself, you'll say, well, that truth doesn't come from science. You can't prove that by science. In fact, most of what you know doesn't come from science. You couldn't even do science without these other truths that you know through logic or uh, philosophy or, or some other means. So, uh, or they'll say you ought not judge. And then you say, well, why are you, why are you judging me for judging? You know, that's, see, that's a judgment. Right there. So there's so many self-defeating things that you hear. And so when we cover the first question in our four-point defense of Christianity, the first question is, does truth exist? The obvious answer is yes, because any but who claims there is no truth is actually claiming it's true that there's no truth. So it defeats itself. Of course, there's truth. The only question is, what is the truth? And for that, then we go on to the next question. Exactly right. And yeah, and there's some great points. And I have, so the listeners know, because I showed it to Frank before we started this, I have Stealing from God right here because it's uh it's a terrific book. Please, where's the best place for anyone listening, uh, Frank, to find Stealing from God? Where the, well, the, if they go to crossexamine.org and click on store, they'll find it. Of course, it's on Amazon. If you go to your bookstore and it's not there, it just means it's sold out again. You know, you know. How <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you're when you're a, a, a multiple book author oh, and, yeah. and 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 popular speaker and podcast extraordinaire. Yeah, you know. If people, it's not in the bookstore, it just means my mom was there first. That's all. <laughs> we had one copy, and Frank's That's mom right. just got it. it. So it's my son. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you're enjoying today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. Let's get back to the show. Scientists do science. So without scientists to use logic and to use philosophy, what what are we going to learn from it? Right? Yeah. So so those are the truths right there. There's a misunderstanding. People will try and say, well, science says this and science says that. And the real truth of the matter is science doesn't say anything. Scientists do. 
And what I mean by that is that all data needs to be gathered and all data needs to be interpreted. And who does that? Scientists do that. Science doesn't do that. Science is just a method we use to discover cause and effect relationships in the universe. And that method is done by scientists. And when they get the data, they have to interpret the data. So it's the scientists saying things, not science itself. And sometimes scientists will, in my view, interpret the data incorrectly. And the reason they do that is because they philosophically ruled out one of only two types of causes that exist. What are the two types of causes? A natural cause and an intelligent cause. In other words, an intelligent and a non-intelligent cause. We call a natural cause a non-intelligent cause. Well, scientists who are atheists will frequently rule out an intelligent cause before they look at the evidence. So the only possible cause they will consider when they try and interpret the data they've gathered is it's got to be a natural cause. There can't be any intelligence out there. We've already decided there is no God. There is no intelligence. So no matter how much the evidence appears to point to God or an intelligent being, they always decide it's a natural cause. And that's not the result of the evidence. That's a result of their philosophical presupposition, or we might say their philosophical bias against any intelligent cause. That's right, because people always gravitate to to the side of things that that help strengthen their case and and, and shy away from the from they the, might. Other, the other. Yeah, they might. But in my view, when it comes to atheism, they don't just shy away from the from the intelligent possibility, they've already philosophically ruled that out. They don't even consider it possible. Whereas a Christian or a theist who's doing science is open to both types of causes. That person is open to both a natural cause and an intelligent cause, whereas the atheist has ruled out the intelligent cause before he looks at the evidence. Now, of course, he could be right. He could be right that it's a natural cause. Don't get me wrong. But when you philosophically rule out only one of two types of causes, you might be missing the real cause if you philosophically ruled it out. And that's what the beginning of the book will do for you because it gets your head going in, around and around. There's a lot of, uh, I love the beginning because it starts to open your mind up to intelligent design. And, and I love how you, you go in and talking about the cell structure and, and all that go, and you kind of blow it up into like, you know, if a cell was as big as this and, and all the things going on. And I, I think we don't give it enough. You know, we just go about our day, don't we anymore as, as human beings, uh, just living in our, in our own little world. We wake up, all these things are happening inside of our body. And I, I can't think for a moment that it's just random chance that all of this worked perfectly from head to toe mm -hmm. and, and all these things are happening inside my brain and for my body without me even having to think about it. And that's just by chance that everything just happened. All these d amazing DNA structures you know, came together and this 3 billion character code that's in every single molecule just happened to you know, work out perfectly to, to create who I am. And yeah, that just, takes a lot more faith to believe than to believe that there's an intelligence behind all this. And um, that intelligence not only set up the laws of nature, but keeps them going every moment. That's what we mean by God. Right, because 
I, I mean, the, it's it, it it is one of those things that makes your head kind of start to start to uh, blow up because you're you're starting to think big time. You know, start you can't you got to think this. We don't even understand the universe that we live in, the galaxy that we live in, and all this stuff. And this was created by a you know a, an immaterial, uh, a timeless, spaceless being mm-hmm. outside of all of this, and and made us you know who who we are distinct and different from any other form of 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 life on our planet and mm-hmm. i'm sorry i don't think i came from a tadpole but that's my uh that's my stance on that so i want to so now that we've kind of talked about number 1 about truth existing uh go ahead and tackle does god exist and and people you know okay oh all right i accept that i i accept that there's truth okay but i can't really get behind this god thing i don't i don't have the the evidence for it Sure. And, and, and touch on that for us. Yeah. Well, the four questions, the first question is, does truth exist? We just dealt with that. The second question is, does God exist? And there's three arguments, major arguments we give for the existence of God. And the first argument is the argument from the beginning of the universe, that if there is a beginning to the universe, then it seems there has to be a beginner. And even atheists like Stephen Hawking, who died last year, said almost everyone now believes that the universe and time itself had a beginning at the Big Bang. So, There was a spaceless, timeless, immaterial being that brought the Big Bang into existence. I mean, how else do you explain that space, matter, and time had a beginning out of nothing? If that's really the case, whatever created space, matter, and time can't be made of space, matter, and time. In other words, the cause must be spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful to create the universe out of nothing, personal in order to choose to create, Because in order to go from a state of nothingness to a state of creation, someone had to make a choice and only persons make choices. The cause would also have to be intelligent in order to make a choice and to design the universe the way it is, because the universe is also designed. Now, I was asking people, uh, Chris, I asked him, when you think about a spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, personal, intelligent cause, who do you think of? You say, well, you think about God. Gotta be God. How do you know it's the Christian God? And my answer is we don't yet. We haven't done enough research yet. This could be the Christian God. But at this point, with just this one argument, we don't know if it's the Christian God or Allah, right? Or somebody, some other theistic God. It could be the Christian God, but we don't know anything about Jesus yet. So we have to wait and evaluate the evidence for Jesus before we know if the God that created the universe is the God that Jesus called Father and the God that he claimed to be in the second person of the eternal Trinity. And I think when you look at that evidence, you realize that the same being that created the universe is the same being in whose human nature walked out of the tomb 1,987 years ago. And his name is Jesus of Nazareth. So, um, but that's one argument for God. We call it cosmological argument. The second argument is the argument from design. And there are two aspects of design. Uh, The universe appears to be designed, and so does life. Life appears to be designed. Let me just give you one piece of evidence that shows us that the universe is designed, that it's fine-tuned for life to exist here on Earth. Um, Hawking put it this way. He said, if the universe, if the expansion rate of the universe was different by one part in a thousand million million a second after the Big Bang, the universe would have collapsed back on itself or never developed galaxies. In other words, if the expansion rate was that infinitesimally different from the very beginning, none of us would be here. Now, you can't make any evolutionary argument 
for this expansion rate because the expansion rate did not evolve to that point. The expansion rate started there. So it seems to be the same being that created space, matter, and time is the same being that fine-tuned the expansion rate to be precisely what it needed to be. If it were any different, we wouldn't be here. Okay, and that's just one of, I could give a dozen of these, right? We don't have time to go through all that. No, right? of course not. But a dozen of these factors about the universe. And then, of course, life is designed. We talked a little bit about that earlier, about how, you know, we've got a 3.2 billion letter software program in every one of our cells. Where does that come from? Where does software come from? Software comes from programmers, right? Messages come from minds. Then it doesn't come from natural forces. It comes from intelligent causes, and so there has to be some sort of intelligence out there that created life and sustains life. And the third argument is the moral argument for God. And that moral argument just simply states, look, if there is no God, if there is no standard beyond humanity, then everything's just a matter of opinion. Because if God doesn't exist, you can't say, you, you can't make the claim that torturing babies for fun is really wrong. That would be just your opinion. Or you can't make the claim that Hitler was really wrong. That would be just your opinion, because if there is no standard beyond us, beyond me, beyond you, beyond all human beings, then everything is just a matter of human opinion. Just your opinion against Hitler's opinion or your opinion against a baby torturer's opinion. And we all know that's not the case. We all know that torturing babies for fun isn't just a matter of opinion. We all know that killing six million Jews in a Holocaust is not just a matter of opinion. Those things are really wrong. If those things are really wrong, there must be a standard really right outside of us, and that standard is God's nature. So when you add up those three arguments, the cosmological, the design argument, and the moral argument, you get a being that's spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, personal, intelligent, moral, and a creator who sustains everything up to this very moment. He created the universe and he sustains the universe up to this very moment. So without even opening the Bible, We've got a being that looks like it could be the God of the Bible. Again, we don't know if it's the God of the Bible yet, but we haven't even opened the Bible. And from those three arguments, it looks like a theistic God actually exists. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you find our show helpful in any way, please let us know by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. Your review will help us reach more listeners and continue to change lives. Let's get back to the show. I've heard this message many, many times through the book and through the podcast, and I still love hearing it over and over again. It just reinforces uh, you know, the, my, my, my beliefs and, and the grandeur of God and, and what he's done for us and, uh, and through Jesus, of course. And it, and I want you to, you know, it's funny because I look at the third point here, are miracles possible? Mm -hmm. And and I, I almost think in a sense, it's like every day I wake up, I feel like, man, there, there I was sleeping again for seven or eight hours. And I, mm -hmm. and I, and I, and I lived through it. I woke up. I didn't mm -hmm. have to do anything. I just went mm -hmm. to bed and my amazing brain and heart and everything else continued to work. <laughs> yeah. Just, just perfectly. And, and here I am awake again, and I didn't, I didn't have to do a darn thing. Yeah, I mean, no. come, come on. How is that not designed? Right. So, so anyway, um, are, are miracles possible? And, you know, I think a lot of people, the, the, one of the things that, that you've mentioned uh, 
in previous podcasts and stuff is that, you know, why, why did all the, the big miracles seem to happen, you know, a couple thousand years ago or, or prior in the old Testament. And, and we don't necessarily see miracles today, but mm-hmm. can you just d- dive into miracles a little bit and, and explain to people, uh, a little bit about what you mean for, for that being a, a case for, uh, for Christianity. Sure. Well, people have trouble believing miracles because they've never seen one. Right. Um, but that's not a good reason to disbelieve in miracles because you believe in a lot of things you've never seen, right? I mean, you believe in the laws of logic. Have you ever seen those? No, you're using them right now. You believe in your mind. Have you ever seen it? No, you're using it right now. You believe in justice. You've never seen justice. You may have seen justice done, but justice is not a physical thing. It's not something you see. It's an immaterial reality, yet you believe in it. You believe in George Washington, right? Never seen him, but you believe in him. Why? Because effects have been left behind, which are best explained by a cause known as George Washington. In other words, we reason from effect back to cause, and that's what we do with God. We don't see God directly. We reason from effect back to cause. And so we see a creation. We know there must be a creator. The effect is creation. The cause is the creator. We have a moral law written on our hearts. We know there must be a moral law giver. The effect is the moral law. The cause is God. We, uh, we see design in the universe and design in life. There must be a designer. We're reasoning from effect to cause. And if miracles did occur, you shouldn't expect to see a lot of them. Why? Because miracles, by definition, are rare events that stand out against the backdrop of regular events. We wouldn't, we wouldn't um, be able to know whether somebody speaks for God without miracles. That's how God communicates that somebody speaks for God. Like, he, why are people going to listen to Moses? Because Moses can do miracles. Why are people going to listen to Elijah and Elijah? Because they can do miracles. Why are people going to listen to Jesus and the apostles? Because they can do miracles. In other words, uh, the miracle is the sign that tells people that so-and-so speaks for God. That's why if you look in the Bible, miracles aren't occurring all the time like you think they are. They're occurring in in time periods when there's a new prophet that needs a new confirmation. There's a new message that needs a new miracle. There's a new sermon that needs a new sign. So miracles occur when God is doing them through people around Moses, Elijah and Elijah, and Jesus and the apostles. Those are the three great time periods of miracles. And if miracles occurred routinely all the time, A, we wouldn't consider them miraculous, and B, they wouldn't get our attention to show us that so-and-so speaks for God. I mean, the the primary miracle in in Christianity, of course, is the resurrection, right? Right. Imagine, Chris, if people rose from the dead routinely. What would the resurrection of Christ mean to us? Well, gee whiz. I mean, if, if, if John down the street resurrected then what's the big deal that Jesus did it 2,000 years ago? Yeah. I mean, you go to somebody and you go, Jesus rose from the dead to prove he was God, and by trusting in him, you can have your sins forgiven. And the guy goes, so what? Uncle Leroy just rose from the dead two weeks ago. <laughs> you know, now i got to give the inheritance back. You know, no. No, it's got to be a rare event. And so miracles, if they occur, don't occur a lot. They're rare events. That's what a miracle is. And in the Bible, anyway, they're used to confirm a message from God. Now, a lot of people don't believe in miracles uh, because they think they're incredible. How can we believe in miracles? And how can we believe in a resurrection or Jonah or Noah or any of these crazy things that appear to go on in the Old Testament? 
And I always ask people, what's the greatest miracle in the Bible? And sometimes they'll say Jonah or Noah or the resurrection. And actually, that's not true. The greatest miracle in the Bible is the first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If that verse is true, every other verse is at least possible, right? Absolutely. I mean, if God can create the whole universe out of nothing, can he resurrect Jesus from the dead? Yeah. Can he do Noah and Jonah and part the Red Sea and make axe heads float in water and walk on water? He can do any of that stuff. He can create the universe out of nothing. Well, the interesting thing, Chris, is we now even have atheists admitting the data for the first verse of the Bible. They're saying that, yeah, the universe had a beginning. They try and come up with another explanation other than God. They fail, but they try and say someone else did it or something else did it usually something else. But the the logic seems inescapable to me. If space, time, and matter had a beginning, then it can't be a natural cause. It's got to be something beyond space, time, and matter that brought it into existence. Yeah. And that's what we mean by God. So I don't have any problem believing in any miracle in the Bible if the first verse is true. Absolutely right. Admitting the first verse is true. At least the evidence that the universe had a beginning is true. If there's one thing I've learned in my life is that this, this, the simplest explanation is usually the most accurate or the most mm -hmm. on point. And I, I love the, the, the thing that you mentioned in the book too, or, you know, that's it, something can't come from nothing. It's mm -hmm. just, it, it's an impossible without a cause, right? With, yeah. Without, without a cause. So, uh, I mean, for, for me, it's, uh, it, it's kind of a no brainer. I think the, the more I, the more I think about it, and the more I hear your message, and and you know, reading the book and listening to your podcast, it 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 does make more sense. And Frank's previous book, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. He co-authored that. He uh, that uh, you have you have to ha like you said so many times before, you have to have more faith to believe that it, it wasn't true. Mm hmm. And in fact, um, for people who are just tuning in, if you just tuned in the podcast here, um, a lot of this stuff you can see, we're, we're just scratching the surface. You can see it for free on our website, crossexamine.org. That's crossexamine with a D on the end of it. Or our YouTube channel, crossexamine.org. Or our Facebook, our Facebook page, crossexamine.org, actually has uh, entire college presentations that you can watch. Like the last one was back in uh, late March, I think at the University of Memphis. You can watch the whole thing. Yes. It's like three hours long, including all the Q&A. So if you want to see a more robust presentation than what Chris and I can do here on this podcast, then just go to the uh, Cross-Examine Facebook page and watch the video there. Yeah, and and, and listening to your, uh, your live events is fantastic because not just your message, which is you know, going over the, the, the information that we're discussing right now, but the, the Q&A at the end, which I think a lot of people would would really enjoy hearing because you're getting real questions from real people, Christians and atheists both. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it really, it, it's great because you're able to have a conversation with these people and speak from a place of knowledge and of, of love. And, and I don't think a lot of the, the non-believers, the, the, the agnostics, the atheists are used to that. They're used to, a, a real argument or a real battle. Yeah, sometimes uh, people want to have a fight and I don't want to have a fight. I just want to have a conversation. So if they get a little hostile, in fact, one of the questions I asked them, Chris, as you know, and I think a question you should ask anybody who's not a Christian is if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? 
because I've had atheists get a little hostile at the microphone on a college campus. And I'll ask them, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? And they'll say, no. I'll say, well, wait a minute. How's that reasonable? I thought you claimed to be reasonable. And I ask you, if something were true, would you believe it? And you say, no. How's that reasonable? It's not. The problem isn't in their head. The problem's in their heart. They don't want it to be true. That's they right. don't want there to be a God because they want to be God of their own lives. And they think the God of the Bible is going to interfere with what they want to do. You see, most people are not on a truth quest. We're on a happiness quest. And we're just going to believe whatever they think, whatever we think is going to make us happy. And so we always have to check ourselves to see, am I just believing this because it, I like it? Or am I believing this because it's really true? It was Blaise Pascal who famously said that people almost invariably base their beliefs not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. Now, this can apply to everyone. It can apply to Christians. So we just believe in Christianity because we find it attractive that, you know, someone's watching out for us. And when we die, we'll go be with Jesus and our loved ones. Or is it really true? It applies to atheists, too. Are atheists just believing there is no God because they find it attractive? There's no moral accountability. Right. They can do whatever they want and they'll never be judged for it. And some atheists have admitted this. They've admitted to me, yeah, that's why I'm an atheist. I don't want there to be a God. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you're enjoying today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. Let's get back to the show. They want to be the God of their own life. Mm -hmm. They, They don't want someone judging them. They don't want a, a moral standard to live up to. Hey, half the time, I, I want the same. I don't want that either, right? <laughs> you, come on. It's inconvenient being a Christian. It's one of the, the phrases that I, I have the, one of the hardest times with is, oh, as long as it makes you happy when people oh, say Oh, come on. Yeah, else, think of, if you I, think about that for more than 10 seconds, you realize what a disaster that advice is. Th- that's awful advice. As long yeah. as it makes you, if it, hey, if looting and robbing, mm-hmm. is, is that makes you happy, then you go do that. Good for you. No, yeah. no, 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 no. That's, that's, that's not good. That, well, as long as you don't hurt somebody else. As well, long as it doesn't hurt someone else, yeah. First of all, how do you know it's not gonna hurt somebody else? Secondly, what's wrong with hurting somebody else if there is no God who said, Right. <laughs> Thirdly, um, what does hurt mean? Does it just mean physical hurt? What about psychological hurt, emotional hurt? What about moral hurt? What I mean, there's so many different ways you can hurt somebody. So it's not a real good standard by which to live by. We need a little bit more detail than that. Yeah, I'm um, not about that. Will you so, uh, now go into the fourth, uh, uh, the sure. fourth uh, principle there about is the New Testament historically reliable? Right. Yeah. The four questions are, does truth exist? Does God exist? Are miracles possible? Is the New Testament reliable enough to tell us the truth about one event in particular? And that's the resurrection. Because if the resurrection occurred, then game over Christianity is true. Of course, if the resurrection didn't occur, then game over its faults, right? You might as well sleep in on Sunday and do what you want the rest of the week if 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 Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Paul says something like that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so when I think when we look at the New Testament documents, and we spend a lot of time on this in the book, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, we give 10 different reasons why you ought to believe the New Testament writers are telling the truth. We can't go through all of them here. Let me just give you a couple of them. Uh, Well, there's very early testimony. We know that the New Testament documents are written down very early. 
And the data in the New Testament documents is even earlier than when they were written down. Uh, there's eyewitness testimony throughout the New Testament documents that are verifiable eyewitness, eyewitness details only an eyewitness would know. One of the ones that I find very compelling is there's embarrassing details, embarrassing stories. Uh, in fact, you'll notice all these begin with the letter E. We've got like seven or eight of them begin with the letter E. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the seven E's. I, yeah. can I, let me just let me let uh, the listeners know what the seven E's are and then please continue with them. So you have early testimony, as he mentioned, eyewitness testimony, as he mentioned, embarrassing testimony. And again, embarrassing testimony is things that are said that are written down that make others or themselves look awful. Yep. And who in the world would want to record that mm-hmm. if it wasn't true? Um, elaborate testimony, which I think is really cool. I, I want you to obviously touch on that. Uh, excruciating testimony, expected testimony, and extra biblical testimony. Yeah, we can add another one. The explosive growth of the yes. church out of yes. Jerusalem is one I've added recently. How yes. does a church come out of Jerusalem claiming Jesus had resurrected from the dead when the enemies of Christianity, the Jews and the Romans, could have just gone to the empty tomb and taken the body out and squashed Christianity right there. The reason they couldn't do that is because the tomb was empty. But in any, any event, let's just talk about embarrassing testimony for just a minute. People do not record embarrassing details that they invent <laughs> to make themselves look bad. You might lie to make yourself look good. You won't lie to make yourself look bad, right? That's right. And the New Testament documents have are filled with embarrassing details that the writers never would have invented. Uh, like, for example, at the crucifixion, the disciples run away. Why the women are the brave ones? Who's going to what man is going to is going to invent that? You know, I, if I was inventing it, I'd write down that I was a hero that, you know, I stayed right there with Jesus the entire time. I never doubted. You know, when he rose from the dead, he congratulated me on my great faith. I would never say I was a sissy pants and ran away while the women were the brave ones, you know, but yet that's what it says. And by the way, you would never say the women were the first witnesses in that culture because a woman's testimony in that culture was not considered on par with that of a man. So if you're making up the New Testament resurrection story, you'd only have the men be the first witnesses. Yet all four gospels say the women were the first witnesses, which is telling us what? They really were the first witnesses. Otherwise, they never would have said that. It's too embarrassing, not only to the men, but also to the fact that a woman's testimony was not considered on par with that of a man. I actually had a, a lady, Chris, one come, once come to me and she said, I know why Jesus appeared to the women first. I said, why? And she said, because he wanted to get the story out. I said, that is an excellent point. <laughs> I had not thought of that, right? <laughs> That's right. Ladies, Women are the talkers. Yeah, ladies, when your man comes home from work, does he say much? <laughs> there could have been a nuclear explosion down at the plant. He's not going to tell you, right? <laughs> oh, so there's, you know, and then Jesus is called names. He's called a drunkard. He's called demon-possessed. He has his feet wiped with the hair of a prostitute, which is a good seen as a sexual advance. I mean, there's just things in there they never would have invented. Even, they even say the disciples doubted Jesus had risen from the dead, even when he's standing right in front of them. And just read uh, Matthew 28, 17, and you're going to go, what? How did that get in there? If they're making it up, they're not making it up. So there's embarrassing details. There's excruciating deaths. They never would have died for it, knowing it was false. A lot of people will die for things 
they think are true, but really aren't. In other words, they'll die for a lie they think is the truth, but nobody will die for a lie they know is a lie. And the New Testament writers were in a position to know whether it was, whether it was a, a lie or not. In fact, one point I'd like to make, Chris, is this, that, and I know this sounds heretical for people out there who believe the Bible's inerrant, as I do, but I, I put it this way. Um, Christianity is not true because the Bible says it's true. In other words, Christianity is not true because a series of documents we put under one binding, we call the Bible says it's true. In fact, Christianity would be true if the Bible never existed. What? How can that be? Because Christianity did not originate with a book. Christianity originated with an event, the resurrection. There would be no New Testament unless the resurrection occurred. Who is the New Testament written by? It's written by Jews, with the exception of Luke. He's the only Gentile. Why would Jews, who thought they were God's chosen people, invent or resurrected Jesus and then go die for it? Answer, they wouldn't. They already thought they're God's chosen people. The New Testament writers did not create the resurrection. The resurrection created the New Testament writers. I asked people, do you realize there were thousands of Christians before a line of the New Testament was ever written? Yeah, how or why? Because Jesus had resurrected from the dead. They didn't read it in a book. It happened, and then they later wrote it down. So, you, you know, I, I know a lot of people will say, well, Frank, how can you be a Christian without the book of Romans? Well, <laughs> was Paul a Christian before he wrote the book of Romans? Yes. yes. Why? Because Jesus appeared to him. Same thing is true with John. Same thing is true with Matthew. Jesus actually appeared to these people. That's why they wrote it down. They didn't write it down in order to invent the resurrection. They wrote it down because the resurrection actually occurred. So even if you find an error in the New Testament, that doesn't mean the resurrection didn't occur. And so I think we need to point out to people that the core of Christianity stands on very firm historical ground. And uh, we, we don't, we don't start with inerrancy. We conclude with inerrancy. In other words, inerrancy is a conclusion. It's not a premise. You don't go to atheists and say the reason Christianity is true is because the Bible says it's true. The guy doesn't believe in the Bible. What you give them is evidence that the historical event known as the resurrection actually occurred. And the New Testament documents, not considering them inspired or inerrant or any of that, just as historical documents are some of the evidence that we have that shows that Jesus rose from the dead. There's other evidence as well. There's evidence from non-Christian writers who are not eyewitnesses, but they say that the disciples believe Jesus rose from the dead. There's the evidence from the growth of the church in Jerusalem, right? Which, how do you explain that? How do you explain Christianity emerging out of Jerusalem where it could have been squashed by any enemy going to Jesus's tomb and taking out his body. No. So there's evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. And if that's the case, then Christianity is true because whatever Jesus teaches is true. If he's God and Jesus taught the entire old Testament is the word of God. So if the new Testament is just reliable, you get the old Testament thrown in. So the key to all this is the resurrection. If the resurrection occurred, Christianity is true. If it didn't occur, it's false. That's why we spend so much time on the resurrection. So they can get all that data, and I don't have enough faith to be an atheist or to a lesser extent stealing from God. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. 
If you find our show helpful in any way, please let us know by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. Your review will help us reach more listeners and continue to change lives. Let's get back to the show. And I love the elaborate testimony because Mm -hmm. to to explain what that is, that's like people's different points of view about the same situation or circumstance. So you get one person's, uh, you know, one person that experiences something and they explain that, that, that experience to someone else. And then you get someone else's uh, a take on that same experience. And those two together, actually, they have different pr- points of view or perspective, right? And Yeah, and they, they give you a fuller picture. Yes. So let me just give you one quick example of this, because it's hard to discuss without giving an example. Right. This is, by the way, called undesigned coincidences. So your listeners can Google two words, undesigned coincidences, and they can see examples of this. But it's where one gospel writer or even a writer of the book of Acts, Luke, mentions something and then another writer clarifies or gives a detail that the first writer left out. And when you put both of the stories together, you realize they're witnessing the same historical event. One example is in one of the gospels, it's recorded that Jesus is slapped by one of the guards. And one of the guards says, prophesy to us, Christ, who hit you? Now, when you just read that account, you're going, why would it be a big prophecy to say, who hit you? You can look, you can see the guy. He's standing right in front of you. You know, he he slaps you. You say it was you. How is that prophecy? You know, you're you're kind of puzzled by that, right? Well, you go over to the gospel of Luke. It's the same account, but Luke gives a detail the the first gospel writer doesn't give. It says they blindfolded him. They blindfolded Jesus, in other words. And so when the guard hit him, Jesus couldn't see him. And that's why he said, prophesy to me. Who hit you? One gospel writer leaves a bit of a mystery. The second gospel writer here helps clear it up. Clear it up, And when you put both of them together, you see a better picture of what really happened. And that happens time and time again in the New Testament. Yeah, there's 60-something uh, undesigned coincidences, I think, between the gospels and the book of Acts, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Uh, in fact... Um, we have a few of them in the book, but there's a whole book written on this recently by Lydia McGrew, and it's called Hidden in Plain Sight. Hidden in Plain Sight. You can get the whole book, and I've had her on my program a couple of years ago. Our podcast at crossexamine.org, they can go listen to the interview if they want. Um, so we have a podcast as well. We also have an app, two words in the app store, Crossexamined, and uh, they can listen to any podcast off the app as well. And, and and let me yeah stop you there real quick. That's what I use to listen to the cross-examined podcast. I highly urge anyone interested to download that app, cross-examined, like Frank says with a D, and just cl- click on the podcast and you can scroll. I've gone back years and listened to, you know, and I love it because you get a lot of the, the same return guests. And like uh, Dr. Michael Brown and and just some amazing people that he, I mean, scholars, brilliant minds, brilliant people that can open up your eyes and, 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 and arm you really with, with, uh, you know, great knowledge and, 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 and intelligently being able to back up your, your, your faith. Because I think 
that that's what troubles some Christians is it's like, I just don't know how to like have a conversation with someone about Christianity or why I believe what I believe. And, and, and that's what I think is so helpful with, with your podcast and with your, uh, your speaking. It, it helps, uh, it helps people. And, and sometimes I stumble over my words cause I want to say so much at, at one point and I just, you know, get tongue tied, but it, it really does provide you with a, 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 a platform to speak in, from an, a place of intelligence and from love and from passion to w- with others rather than just getting kind of uh, argumentative or frustrated because you're right. not sure how to explain your thoughts. Well, the app can help quite a bit, including the quick answer section on the app. We have some questions in there you can ask other people and points you can make when somebody brings up an objection. So if they download the app, two words in the app store, cross-examine, that would be very helpful, I think. Yes. Yeah, just basically type cross-examine into just about any <laughs> any place that you can, and you'll you'll find all of this amazing content. I'm going to conclude with just a quick overview of, of what we've discussed uh, for, 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 for anyone at this point, just to kind of uh, uh, confirm our four points. Number one, does truth exist? Of course it does. It's self-defeating to deny it. This is from page 209, by the way, in Stealing from <laughs> uh, Number two, does God exist? We've given arguments from science and philosophy for the existence of a theistic God, an infinite being who is spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, personal, intelligent, moral, and who sustains this creation. Number three, are miracles possible since God exists? Yes, we also have excellent scientific and philosophical reasons to believe that the greatest miracle in the Bible, the first verse, has already occurred. Therefore, it's foolish to maintain any bias against miracles in the rest of the Bible. The miracles in the New Testament may have actually occurred to authenticate Christ as the Messiah. And number four, is the New Testament historically reliable as we've been discussing we reviewed seven reasons that affirm it is. We have early, eyewitness, elaborate, embarrassing, excruciating, expected, extra-biblical, and now explosive, as Frank mentioned, testimony. In light of all this evidence, I think it takes far more faith to be an atheist than a Christian, which, which I love that point about just kind of, uh, I, think, I think it feels good as a Christian and as a believer to 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 reinforce the the feelings that we have for for God for Jesus for for Christianity and 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 just having someone put it so plainly in text like this because you know the bible is great but the bible's a, a big book with a, with a lot a lot to break down in it and we need other very very smart people like frank to 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 be able to uh, to break this down to to help us digest and consume all this information. I mean, I read the Bible every day to start my day here at work, and and there's there's so much in there. Every little passage of in, in Scripture that you're just like, uh, okay, there's a lot of different ways to go with this message, you know. And so we we need other people who are smarter than us. <laughs> to help us, uh, you know, understand and 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 have a, a better idea of, of of the lessons in the Bible. Well, I appreciate being on the show, Chris. And as I say, we we skimmed over a lot of evidence in yes. this program, and that's because of the length of the program. If they want to go further, get the get the app, 
Go to our website, crossexamine.org. Go to our YouTube channel. Go to our Facebook page, crossexamine.org. You can watch so many videos. You can get the books. You can. We have a DVD set called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist that people use as curriculum in high schools and churches. And we're now teaching online courses. They can take online courses from me and from other people right at crossexamine.org. So there's a lot more that people can get into. Well, thank you so much for being part of the Strong by Design podcast show. It's an absolute honor to have you on the show. Thank you for making time and your busy schedule. And um, hopefully we can do it again sometime. Maybe I'll come up to you in Charlotte. All right. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show. Plus, you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you.